0: There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. (laughs) theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children. That's an important point that he's going to make throughout the section. Let me just read that again. It is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate it. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. If you're a Christian you've received mercy and forgiveness in a way that most of the human race from all time forward has not do you understand that if you're sitting here right now as a Christian you have experienced something in your life that most of the people living today on planet earth have not do you understand that again I want you to think about it for a moment I want Jesus to return soon I hope you do too the stark reality is, if Jesus returns tonight, after we've all gone to bed, probably it's fair to say, with a few exceptions, most of you know more people that you will never see it again, because they will be in hell. Than those of you who you'll be waving to ignore think about that you need to think about that I need to think about that because if we think about it soberly if we think about that as a real reality that should be singularly Probably the thing that drives us to prayer more than anything else. Lord, have mercy upon my lost friends and loved ones. Instead of just going to bed at night thinking, oh, it's going to be okay for all of us. I don't think so. I don't think so. I've said this before to this little group. A verse that resonates in my head. I probably think about it a few times a month. When Jesus is asked when he's going to return. One of the things that he says, only says it once or twice. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. What's the point that he's making? Think about it with me for a moment. Put on your thinking caps. Everybody do that. Here, ready? Put on your thinking cap. What was happening in the days of Noah? Four people were building a giant boat. We're not told anybody else was helping. Everybody else was doing their thing. Hey no! want to go to the market with us? No. How come? Uh, I know, you're building an ark. Yeah, we're building an ark. Why build an ark? God's going to destroy the human race. No, you've been saying that for decades. And yet, what does Jesus say? As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. And what's the point that he's making don't be caught up in the day today be caught up in the moment that Jesus is coming back That's, that's that's something true that's something we really need to grasp and as Paul is looking out over The nation that he grew up with. His heart is breaking. I wish I could count myself a curse for the sake of my people Israel. What's he talking about? He's talking about the covenant people of God who have received the covenantal blessings of God. Adoption of sons the very presence of God, how was the presence made known? In the Old Testament, when there was a tabernacle, you had a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. In the temple, one area of the temple, off limits, holy of holies. Why? Symbolic of the dwelling place of God. given promises made unilaterally given to God's people he's not striking up a contract with them several weeks ago I bought a different vehicle the person I bought it from we had a very simple discussion how much do you want she said i was offered x amount of dollars i thought that was a crazy ridiculous low price and i said i'll double the price simply because i wanted the vehicle so i did and she agreed and that was fine that was a bilateral relationship bilateral contract She had something to sell. I had something I wanted to buy. She agreed to a price that I offered. I paid her the money. We were good to go. Got everything settled. When God spoke to his people and created them as the nation of Israel, it was not, let's sit down and discuss this. It was unilateral. The closest thing that you have to unilateral is each of you how many of you live at lamb foundation go ahead raise your hand okay and those of you who came to lamb foundation you had an agreement and from time to time we've had some knuckleheads I'll just call them knuckleheads I don't want to sign that but it was a unilateral agreement That when Donna created Lamb Foundation, it really hasn't changed that much over the years. It's pretty simple: no alcohol on the premises, no illicit drugs on the premises, no pornography on the premises. Show respect to one another. Keep your room clean. Etc. Etc. Very simple stuff. But it was a unilateral agreement. And imagine, I I, I mean, I know her well enough. I was talking to somebody about her today. And I said something like, I I know her well enough, and she knows me well enough, that there are times we could finish each other's sentence or finish each other's thoughts. But I know if somebody came in and said, you know what, I see your agreement, and there's like 12 points here, I'm good with seven of them. But the five, there's five of my, you know what? I got to have a beer every now and then. She might say, you know what? You can have a beer. just don't have it at Lamb. Can't drink it at Lamb. Can't have it at Lamb. Oh, what's wrong with a little pornography? Just a little pornography. How about we just strike number six? No pornography. I don't like that one. And respect. I, You know why Most of the people I'm going to get along with. How about, well, I'm just going to, you know. We're going to have problems. We're going to have issues. You know what I mean? buddy? feel me? You get it? And what would you say? You know what? It's not working for me. 12 out of 12 sign right here made it. Staff will witness it. How come? Because down the road, when you break that, we're going to come back to you and say, listen, you agreed to this. We agreed to this. But it was not something that we negotiated. It was something, if you want to live here, this is what you know. Do it. God did the same thing with Israel. We call those the covenants. Additionally, he gave people his law. He gave them the ability to worship him. One of the things about worship... people don't know how to worship God the Jews knew how to worship God the Jews quite frankly knew how to worship God well how come it was spelled out if you want to know how God wanted to be worshipped in the Old Testament scheme of things, two books go to Leviticus, go to Numbers two primary books, also Exodus to a lesser extent Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. God says, on this day, you do this. When you offer this, you do this. When you pray this prayer, say these words. You do this. It wasn't casual, off the cuff. I remember one of the first times I was in a public setting. And I knew that I was going to be called on to pray. And I wrote down a prayer. And i prayed that prayer and somebody came up to me afterwards and said well we, we just do extemporaneous prayers i said i do extemporaneous prayers too however if i'm in an unfamiliar setting and i'm speaking into a microphone you know i'm going to probably write it down if there are things that i want to include in that prayer i'm going to probably write that down and the person was insistent they said Oh, there's none of that in the Bible. I said, you're just silly. You don't know the scriptures. Go to the book of Psalms. Most of those are prayers. Most of those are written down. Go to the book of Exodus. Go to the book of Deuteronomy. I can show you a hundred passages where God would say to his people, in this particular occasion, at this particular moment, say, word for word what it was to say and you know we know that god liked to be worshipped the right way is because sometimes the consequences were enormous when god was worshipped the wrong way how many know moses names come on here's your golden opportunity not often in our little congregation here how many of you know moses moses had a brother how many of you know moses brother's name what was his brother's name aaron. and aaron had how many sons he had four and two of those sons they decided one day we're gonna improvise we're going to take some incense and i don't know what they did with it but they did something wrong with it their names were nadab and Abihu, and it says in the early part of numbers that they offered strange fire to god what was that it was incense but he didn't require what did god do god destroys them god destroyed them in the new testament people in corinth they've got their love feast going on they're getting together and some of the folks aren't really honoring one another and they're getting ready to partake in the lord's supper and they're regarding it like it's no big deal paul says really it is a big deal as a matter of fact, some of you have become sickly. Some of you have fallen asleep. And he's not saying, no, I'm looking out over the congregation and there's one and there's one and there's one and you all fell asleep. He's not saying that. When he's saying some of you have fallen asleep, he's saying some of you have died as a result of the way of worshiping God. The people of Israel knew how to worship God. They were given God's promises and reiterated the promises of God, especially in the closing chapters of Deuteronomy, where God allows Moses to once again, let me rehearse the blessings and the cursings. Do this and this and this and this and this. What am I going to do? I'm going to bless you way beyond the peoples of the earth you don't do this and this and this and this, what am I going to do? I'm going to destroy you. Okay. Who's in on the blessing side? (laughs) Lord, I am. I want the blessings. I don't want you to destroy me. In addition to that, they had those who were forefathers, the patriarchs. I grew up with parents that weren't christians they thought they were i'm sure that my father thought he was to his grave. he wasn't my mother became a christian in her 60s i had grandparents on my father's side my grandfather might have been a christian my grandmother definitely i don't think was a christian on my mother's side i don't think either one of them were christians But every now and then, throughout my adult life, I've been envious of individuals, families, where the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and the great aunts and the great uncles, they were Christian people. And I'd go to family reunions from time to time. And I'd walk up to a perfect stranger that had 20 years on me. And i'd be introduced by a family member to this person and they'd say oh this is my uncle john and i'd start talking to uncle john and i didn't know uncle john at all it was my friend's uncle and he starts telling me about some of the work that he had done out in mission field and what are you doing now and at the time i might have been at seminary and one of those people would say to me something like this why don't we take a moment? Let me pray with you. I never had that kind of experience in my family. I never had any adults in my family praying for me that I was aware of. If you were a Jew, you did. If you had a devout Jewish parents. And then additionally, they had the great privilege of being that nation through which the Messiah would come. Major deal. Major deal. And it should have been a point of great privilege understood by them, and yet it wasn't. When Paul is, again, to use a word, dissecting this section, he's looking at the nation, and he's writing this in the context of having been a Christian now a number of decades. And he sees the nation of Israel pretty much having rejected the Messiah out of hand. He knows that before Jesus is left, that Jesus has pronounced judgment against Jerusalem. He won't live to see the destruction of Jerusalem. In all likelihood, he dies somewhere in the 60s. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed in 70 A.D. Why is it going to be destroyed? As a nation, they rejected the Messiah. And God is going to pronounce it judgment against and them. And destroys the temple. And destroys the city. And destroys many of the people. <coughs> it's not as though God's word had failed for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children on the contrary it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned what he's talking about here is what we've just spent weeks on talking about in Romans chapter 8 God has foreknown for himself and predestinated for himself a people. Some of those he's called out, out of the nation of Israel. Many of them he's called out and calling out still out of the rest, known by the Jews as Gentiles. But he's saying even within the context of Israel as a nation, it was not simply your ability to hang your hat and saying, Abraham was our guy. I'm pointing all the way back to Abraham. Nope. Because Abraham had two children Abraham had Isaac, child of the promise. But he also had Ishmael. And Ishmael was rejected. And Isaac goes on to father two individuals. And Jacob, that scoundrel, becomes the one that God elects to salvation. And Esau is passed over. Remarkable. Remarkable. Don and I were talking about this not too long ago. And we were both reflecting on our families. How is it that God would pass over this one? And God would save this woman? If we were the ones doing the choosing, we'd pick probably differently. And that's true. I mean, I was just thinking about it the other day. You know, we're coming up on a week that's, that's had my needle stop for years. Because starting on the 10th of June and going through the 18th of June, my entire birth family, other than me, is connected. My brother Rob died on the 10th. My brother Dave died on the 17th. My father's birthday is the 17th and my mother's birthday is the 18th so they're all connected so whenever that time comes around every year i think about them in a unique way because they're all uniquely tied together by the same date, one way or the other either by virtue of birth or by death but when i look at it differently than that the thing that amazes me more and those of you who know me know this two of my brothers
1: i only had two
0: excuse me. my two brothers i should have said are gone they've been gone one's been gone 40 years one's been gone 18 years i don't think i'll see them again that's a sobering thought. It's a sobering thought. I don't say it lightly. There's no brag there. There's nothing to brag about. It's like, But it's a sobering thought that I think about. And sometimes people are kind. They really are. And they say things that they mean intentionally kind. But they're not really well thought through. Oh, you don't know. God's a merciful God. No, you don't understand. I was there. My brother died. He was 24 when he drowned. He's been gone four years. He hated God. Truthfully, dear friend, where do you think he is? Don't tell me, oh, God is a merciful God. Of course he's a merciful God i'm a testimony to god's mercy just like paul is a testimony to god's mercy as one from the nation of israel but don't miss the point what's the point god will have mercy on whom he will have mercy and those who reject him out of hand and go to the grave whether literally raising their fists or in their heart, raising their fist, God will not have mercy I... on them. Well, we'll continue with this, Lord willing, next week. <clears throat> read through it. Better yet, if you're able to, read through nine and eleven. Now, you say, man, that's a lot to read, Pastor Bill. Three chapters. You got seven days. Do the math. Even if you're slow. If you need me to read it to you, come down here and I'll read it to you. All right? But read through it. And again, put on your thinking cap because this is not easy stuff. But go back to what I said earlier. When you flip on the radio and you'll hear, and you know, without naming names, I I can I can hear some of the voices who will be talking about Israel this week and selling their latest books about Israel this week and about everything else going on. The nation of Israel, as it presently sits, some whatever it is, 4,000 miles away, over in the Middle East, sandwiched between Lebanon and Egypt and Syria, most of those people there are not God-fearing individuals that have any relationship with the God of the Bible. So if you're going to pray for Israel, pray for that that God would have mercy upon them. Because the exciting part of this whole section is God is going to do amazing things, not only with the Gentiles, but also with the Jews. And he's going to call to himself, many from both Jew and Gentile into the family (laughs) of God together. Father, we pause to thank you again for hearing us when we pray for this time that you've given us to enjoy with one another in worshiping you. And now we pray that as we go, you would be with us. You would provide us with what we need through the rest of this day and this coming week for life and godliness. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.